0: Atlanta News First Investigates, the largest investigative team in Georgia, holding the powerful accountable and fighting for you. Now, in this series of podcasts, we take you behind the scenes of our most recent investigations. Welcome to Behind the Investigation with Atlanta News First. Welcome to Behind the Investigation with Atlanta News First Investigates. I'm Chief Investigator Brendan Keefe, and I'm joined now by investigative reporter Sierra Cummings. And Sierra, this is a story you've been working on for some time now, and it's about FRT, which most people don't know that acronym. It stands for Facial Recognition Technology. First off, I want to ask why you were interested in this subject before we get into a series of stories.
1: Really, um, it's a part of the conversation related to artificial intelligence. Um, So that is such a buzzword uh, socially right now. But the more immediate interest I had was about two years ago, we had heard from a local law enforcement, Cobb County Police Department. They announced on social media that they were seeking a contract with a facial recognition technology company, and they were seeking from county commission approval for a two to three year contract. At that time, there was significant social media backlash. There were so many comments from families, advocates saying, we are against this. You need to hold off on using this. And at that time, um, actually, Cobb County listened. They took it off the agenda. There was no consideration any longer um, from the commission to approve that two to three year contract. And we learned in that time they worked with some advocates and experts to formulate a policy that would make sense in their police work when or if they should use the technology. Once all they got all that in order, they went before the commission and saw approval and that's when we continue to do our digging. What, what really is this technology? Why are people upset? And what does it mean to have inherent bias embedded in the technology?
0: Well, before we look at the piece, you just mentioned artificial intelligence. And look, in law enforcement, all the way throughout history, since there have been lineups, uh, you've had misidentification of suspects. And that's the inherent bias sometimes in the human But we're talking about basically a robot that is deciding whether or not the face matches from surveillance video or elsewhere, right?
1: Yeah, it's really important. I think somebody gave me such great perspective um, during this project, and they said a lot of times people think, technology creates a new problem when really it's exposing or exacerbating a problem that was already there. And so when you think about technology, it has to be built by a human. And as humans, we have our own biases and prejudices and and our own blind spots. So naturally, that flows into the technology. And You need some kind of oversight and accountability to minimize the harm.
0: Let's play the story. We'll talk about it on the other side.
1: Their surveillance is silent, but the video speaks for itself. March 26, 2022, a passenger boards a Maryland public transit bus. Police records detail a dispute over face mask. After arguing, the passenger snatches the driver's phone and leaves. The driver follows the suspect off, trying to get her phone back. The man hits her repeatedly. Maryland Transit Authority police immediately issue this an alert to Baltimore area law enforcement. A screenshot of the suspect. How are you doing, sir. Five days later, police make an arrest.
0: Can these gentlemen have a warrant for your arrest. For, 4 I'm not sure.
1: Charging Alonzo Sawyer with robbery and assault. U.S. Marshals take him into custody for the crime Transit PD says he committed. Hey, you got me back I work, so I don't understand. I'm not even living out here. The suspect remains confused about why he's being arrested. Sit tight, okay? Right? Handcuffed in the back of a police car, the drive... It was a long, long, long ride. ...was unlike any other. My mind was racing all over the place, and, and I don't know, man, it's... Like a feeling that I never had before, I was real scared, real scared. Scared because he should not have been arrested in the first place. Facial recognition identified him as the suspect, according to detectives. An incident report outlines Alonzo's former probation officer and a state trooper ID'd him too. And I kept telling them that's not me. That's not me. I don't even ride a bus. Even the victim herself told police it wasn't him. After looking at this photo lineup, right under Alonzo's image, she wrote, not the person who assaulted me. The 56-year-old father was jailed really traumatic with no bond sitting there being so frantic for nine days. I had to prove my husband innocent. It took his own wife, Karan Sawyer, going back to law enforcement. This guy's short, way shorter than my husband. The outfit, the face. I mean, this is not him. Incident reports describe the actual suspect who since pled guilty to the robbery was positively ID'd by his own mom. Alonzo says the alleged criminal does kind of look like him. But that shouldn't be enough because, according to Atlanta experts, facial recognition, or artificial intelligence, can be biased.
0: I'm almost ashamed to say it. I never really thought about the victim that looks like me.
1: Atlanta engineer Calvin Lawrence has created the same facial recognition used by some police across the country. Even he admits it's flaws.
0: It really kind of goes back to the fact that the training models, the data that was inputted, and who inputted the data. It's built to mimic human behavior. So you train it.
1: Training algorithms is the work happening right here in this Georgia Tech lab, where researchers are proving bias can exist in technology. To showcase just how software can amplify racial disparities, they built this robotic arm. So
0: these are your eyes.
1: Professor Matthew Gomblet. Uh,
0: robots, you can kind of think about a, when a child is born, they're not like good or bad.
1: It was tasked with grabbing the box with the criminal pictured on it. One had an image of a white male, on the other, a black male. The researchers then built an algorithm based on mugshots, websites with divisive rhetoric, social media posts, disproportionate negative data about black people.
0: What's the robot going to do?
1: So when the robot was told to choose the criminal, over and over it selected the blackface.
0: The internet taught the machine that there is a More likely relationship that a person would think that a black person is a criminal than a white person would not be.
1: The whole point of the study, what goes in will come out. The algorithms used in this experiment are similar to that of facial recognition, meaning if FRT systems have disproportionate data in them or software that hasn't been trained enough on people of color, false matches will continue.
0: Public regulation bodies are going to need to be involved.
1: Call for oversight the exact sentiment shared by the growing list of the wrongfully accused. To wake up one day, what if I'd have been accused of murder? You know what I mean? And if it hadn't been for for my wife, you know, doing the legwork for me, I just would have got lost in the system. Of the calls for regulation are coming from lawmakers themselves this month a georgia senate study committee just began talks on how to regulate the use of ai across multiple industries but some leaders argue there needs to be a study committee solely focused on facial recognition as for alonzo's case the family told me they want an apology maryland law enforcement did not respond to several of my specific questions however the state's county attorney justified the arrest saying Prior, the probation officer ID'd Alonzo. We should note that probation officer later recanted. In the studio, I'm Sierra Cummings, Atlanta News First. Obviously, this is such an emotional story because you think about the fathers who have been wrongfully accused, not only wrongfully accused, but wrongfully jailed for sometimes weeks at a time. In this case, Alonzo being in jail for nine days, your heart just really breaks for that family because that's nine days missed just living their regular normal lives at home.
0: And it permanently uh, it permanently scars someone. This isn't, I mean, because to be in jail for nine days is one thing. To right. be wrongfully jailed uh, for for basically a racist robot deciding you've committed a crime you didn't commit, I mean that—that's a lot more of a cost than just nine days of freedom.
1: Yeah, there's uh, this psychological impact. I mean, sometimes he's just living his life and he sees police officers mm-hmm. on the road, and and he just has this kind of visceral response because he remembers when he was arrested um, and wrongfully accused. So it's it's it, it really has that emotional part of um, of this issue. But I thought. A fun part of the story was kind of learning about Georgia Tech's research, them developing that robot. You saw that robotic arm yeah. choosing the box. And,
0: and it, it's based on how it's trained, but it's trained well, from all of the existing algorithms. Sort of, yeah. And those are from the real world, which yeah. has a, an inherent racial bias or or inherent Bias built into it.
1: Yeah, and it's really hard to kind of understand what really is an algorithm. I'm no tech uh, expert. That's not what my degree in my degree is in by any means. But some some way to really easily understand this. The, really was talking to the Georgia Tech uh, researchers, who essentially said, you know, we're building an equation based off of the things that are populated online, social media, um, news websites, divisive websites, just pulling all these things, mugshots. And really what happened was there was this disproportionate negative data um, for people of color. And so you kind of pour all of that into an equation and you teach or train the robot to make a decision based off that equation. And you saw that robot more often than not chose the criminal um, as the blackface. When really, I think the, the point that the audience needs to understand is that should the robotic arm be tasked with choosing the criminal, the robotic arm should have done nothing. It's not that it should have chose the white face. It should have done nothing because the boxes had nothing to do with a criminal arm. It's just a white male face and a black male face. And the further research goes into a white doll and a black doll. Really, the robot should be doing nothing. But the way that it's trained, that algorithm is telling them, well, more than likely, this dark face is associated with. Dark meaning, so I'm because going to that's go with its this.
0: experience, yeah. But that's what yeah. an algorithm is, and that's what artificial intelligence is. It's machine learning. The machine is learning from its input. So I do want to, before we get to solutions yeah. and and your next story, I want to ask you about sort of the process here, not just your process, but the process that is used to train FRT. Where are they getting the photos? So where are they getting the sort of samples to run on these, you know, uh, surveillance videos, etc. You know, what's the database that's training the FRT computer?
1: Yeah, so far when it comes to the private tech companies, they use a uh, practice called scraping. So as long as the image has been posted Publicly. So you, say if you have like a, a profile, Facebook, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, a private Facebook, but then you choose to post a photo publicly. That is a part of the database, the pool of photos. Um, we're learning more about governments who use facial uh, recognition technology and, and you'll be surprised to learn what uh, their data pool is. But just generally speaking, these private companies that have the pool set, anytime you post a public photo, whether it's a mugshot Mm -hmm. or on your social media, it now can go into that database.
0: And one more thing about that is that if they're using existing mugshots, booking photos, there already is a disproportionate number of people of color because of all of the other issues of race that have plagued law enforcement and the justice system for you know, uh, more than a century now.
1: You're absolutely right. It almost feels like the cars are just uh, automatically stacked up against a certain population. But that really does bring us to the solutions, right? We want to hear what can be done. And so this next story, we talk to our local lawmakers at the state capitol about ways they can regulate AI and police work. You
0: are under arrest. All arrested, jailed, and accused of a robbery
1: crime they didn't commit. Police used facial recognition technology to wrongfully link them to suspects. You have to prove yourself innocent. Innocent fathers arrested in front of their children, removed from their own homes, case after case, on wrongful warrants, because software identified them as suspects. It was awful, quite frankly. Georgia Senator. Harold Jones. They basically just looked at the fact that they had the facial recognition and that was it. Outraged by what Atlanta News First investigations exposed. The former prosecutor argues statewide regulation must determine how law enforcement uses the software. A person literally could be arrested by the laws we make or don't make. Right now, facial recognition businesses only provide suggested guidance for police. Even so.
0: We can't rely on a private sector company because they're actually performing a public service. The police actually need cooperating evidence. So this should just be one tool.
1: Explaining the matches from facial recognition should not be the means for a decision in a criminal case. As so often, an algorithm results in false matches. Georgia State University research confirming the technology is more likely to get it wrong with people of color. That reality is especially disturbing to State Representative Terry Cummings. The possibility of abuse and people being arrested unnecessarily. Concerning, not only because she's a former criminal justice professor and a former attorney for the Federal Bureau of Prisons, but also... I'm an identical twin, so um, I already get mistaken. (laughs) We already get mistaken a lot. Mistaken identity, a risk. Too great, she says, when so much is on the line. You literally have somebody's freedom in your hands and, and their lives. And when you make those mistakes, it has lifelong consequences. And sometimes um, those people don't come home. Although both lawmakers sit on the General Assembly's public safety committees, unlike Senator Jones, who believes the policy must start at the state capitol, Representative Cummings wants legislation to first come from the nation's capital. Welcome all to today's hearing. The panel and this U.S. Senate Artificial Intelligence hearing agree.
0: It is imperative that Congress understand the full range of risks and potentials.
1: Expert witnesses highlighting our findings. Georgia resident Randall Reed was held in jail for six days. And that's only the tip of the iceberg because right now... People don't know when it's an AI tool, when it's face recognition that's being used to ge- generate their arrest. The opinions among leaders vary. It's not going to see action until Congress steps in to legislate. But even facial recognition developers themselves, right here in Atlanta, call for oversight on how the officers are trained, what pictures can be used, and under when circumstances.
0: So, Sierra, we know what the legislature, the General Assembly might be doing about this. At least they're on, you know, sort of alert in in large part, thanks to your reporting. But what can I do as a as a citizen? Is there anything I can do to opt out of any of these programs? Is there anything I can do in the way I do social media so that my face isn't sort of out there as a sample running against potential criminal suspects?
1: I mean, yes and no. Privacy experts tell me they are shocked to see like how loud we live our lives online i mean i'm guilty of it i go to dinner and i post my location um i post pictures with friends my social media pages are all public for our viewers so I mean, there are things that you can do, just small steps you can take. If you want it to keep your um, Facebook private, you could do that. But on the flip side, if your friend decides to tag you in a photo and their page is public, then that automatically goes to uh, the public database. I well, mean, you this, can turn
0: that off, though, can't you? You
1: can. You can. Um, so it's but but it would, they alert. really
0: can get it from their page. Yes, the right. Problem.
1: Yeah. You just got to kind of wow. be alert of the settings that you choose on your profile and also the settings on that particular photo, but really we're kind of at the mercy of the regulation that should or should not come from all of this discussion.
0: Yeah, in twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four, the idea of living offline is it's not possible. I mean, that you if you order an Uber, they've got your address. If you order, you know, food delivered to your house, they know where you live. If you, you know, everyone's worried about the government tracking you the government isn't tracking you we're tracking ourselves yeah, true, if you yeah. check in at a restaurant or leave a review they know where there you were, were yeah. and when you were there um so it's really hard to do that i do want to ask you this because obviously the story uh, in your process is is sort of critically examining the process of frt and the costs and effects mm-hmm. when they get it wrong um in your analysis or at least in your reporting did you come across benefits people you know legitimate uh, convicted criminals who were caught by FRT, and and is there an analysis where the the, uh, the cost benefit analysis where actually the technology in in the final analysis is good or or not?
1: That's a completely fair question, and that's something that we are spending a lot more time digging into because if you are the victim or you're the family of the victim of a crime. You're not going to go tell police, you know what, solve my crime, but if you've got to use this one technology, don't do it, right? Because the priority is justice. You want some kind of resolution for your case. So it really is important to look at the times where it was done successfully and why it was done successfully. And so far from what we've examined, when this tool has helped in a, a correct arrest and as far as a conviction, it was used simply as that. A tool. A tool was not. not uh, yeah, correct. It wasn't the end all, be all. It right. wasn't the means to make the arrest, or to go try to get the warrant, or to even try to go get um, witnesses to confirm somebody in a lineup. And so we're following a case right now, and the family is just so grateful that local law enforcement at the time took kind of initiative to talk to the witnesses on scene see if they had any pictures of the potential suspects and they ran that through a system and that was just one of the things that the detective did he got text messages cell phone records com- gps records confirming where that suspect was at the time and ultimately that led to an arrest and ultimately a conviction and so you know there is something to be said about the times where it's done correctly. And, you know, this technology is out there already. Cats out of the bag, can't put the genie back in the bottle. Most law enforcement say it is here to stay. So it is about informing our usage of it.
0: And and like you said, it's just a point of information, almost like a tip. Yeah. Uh, But you've got to get the totality of the circumstances to generate what in the legal uh, sphere they call reasonable suspicion, probable cause. And then, of course, beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, one other thing is I noticed you saw that some departments have policies that require a human right. to sort of not only review it but sort of make the call so that the computer isn't picking you know basically the computer isn't convicting so su- uh, you know a suspect it's the system with this as sort of a hint or a tip
1: yeah and there's also that element of confirmation bias like once you get that match uh-huh. in the system the detective's like well I've got that match so I'm going to just try to find evidence that supports that and potentially refute any evidence that opposes that. But what's really important here is that the times where we've seen agencies experience a downfall related to this technology is when there isn't a policy. I, I think, you know, the private companies at least tell me when they give law enforcement access to the technology, they tell them to only use it as a tip or a lead or a tool. But that's, kind of rely on trust that the agency is going to do that. And you hope and you trust that the agency will. But really, there has to be a standardized policy, um, standard operating procedures, those kind of things in place. And one could argue, um, unless you have some kind of mandate requiring that, i.e. regulation, it's going to be like a flimsy patchwork of here and there. Maybe some agencies don't. Maybe some agencies do. So far in the cases we examine where there were wrongful arrests, There were no policies.
0: Unbelievable. Uh, Sierra Cummings, thanks for sharing your process. Thanks for offering solutions. And more than anything, thanks for your impactful investigative reporting. You've been watching Behind the Investigation. I'm with Sierra Cummings. This is Chief Investigator Brendan Keefe. Be sure to listen to this as a podcast. So, hey, you don't have the time to stream it on Atlanta News First Plus or on YouTube. You can download this and listen to it in the car. Uh, Of course, hands free. Uh, especially in Georgia where it's the law, uh, wherever you get your podcasts.